0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, people of all ages, we proudly bring to you at a Studio 212 on the Soundcasting Network, this is Physical Culture Radio. I am your super dope host with the most, Greg Jones, at Coach Greg Jones, Instagram and Facebook, along with my super dope host, Chris Edmonds, lead mountain dog diet trainer. Chris, we are going to go into another installment of a question and answer our uh, round 2 as we did it in episode 11. This is episode number 22 for you guys. Um how are you doing today?
1: Doing well, man. I'm actually just getting over some food poisoning I had on Saturday night and um, Oh no. Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> um Angel and I went is out Is that? Out, did going, you go out to eat? Yeah, Angel and I went out to eat. Um my my cousin his uh, father-in-law has um stage 4 cancer in his lungs and they had like a little benefit for him where they were raising money. So we went out to support and afterwards there was a, uh, there was a little uh, like burger place right beside <clears throat> the venue. So we decided to stop there and, and have a meal. Um, and I'll tell you what, man, it's like a brick in my stomach. And then I woke up on Sunday morning and I was like, I'm either going to like shit the bed or I'm going to th- start throwing up everywhere. So <laughs> um, Sunday was a rough day for me as far as how I feel. But today I feel back to normal and I'm getting on my meals and water in. So, Okay. Much better. S-
0: speaking of meals, it's funny you bring up the topic of food because we were talking this weekend about one of your competitors that's competing this upcoming weekend in Portugal and going for his pro card. And we were talking about the different lean cuts of meat than you can eat. <laughs> and you happen to tell me that this competitor who you do his prep and do his diet um, eats goddamn horse meat. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Is that true?
1: Yeah. He eats horse, man. It's uh, his, his, uh, food sources right now, as far as protein go are, uh, horse, he eats cod, he eats, uh, cuts of beef, whether that be a flank steak or like ground, they call it minced, minced beef, which is our, our version of ground beef. Um, and then, okay. he, and then he eats uh, ground turkey or minced turkey. So yeah, you know, I've I've had a lot of cool th- experiences with working with people international. I think probably the wildest thing I've ever had someone eat is zebra. Um, I've had a lot of the Australian guys <laughs> I've worked with eat kangaroo, um, and which is funny because I get to learn the different macronutrient profiles of the different animals. Um, I've had people eat snake and shark and all types of stuff, but horse. I've, I've had I've heard Canadians eat that regularly. Um, a lot of the guys that I work with in Europe eat horse, and it's roughly the same percentage is ground beef um, depending upon what cut you get like if you get a ribeye of horse it's gonna be very similar to a ribeye that you would get of a cow so uh, I can only imagine okay. how gamey that tastes but they're into it he loves it he said it so tastes you, delicious
0: you haven't tried it then
1: I have not tried horse. can we eat that legally in the us I don't know
0: i I don't know if we can that's a good question
1: you know I'm gonna say something crazy um I'll be honest with you I, I think I would try just about any meat um I don't know if I'd try human. I probably would if I was hungry enough, but, um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would be, op I would be open to trying zebra or some game meat. And I think I've, I've had ostrich jerky before. Okay. Um, and, uh, I, 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 I don't, there's some exotic meat stores and meat places like meat butchers that have these different cuts of meat. The problem is a lot of this stuff is like super expensive too. Yeah. If you want to buy it. Right. So, I mean, we, we, we pound so goddamn much protein that, you know, you, you kind of looking for cheaper and I, and I mostly buy organic, which is expensive, you know, enough. Right. Uh, to be, to be adding to, to those costs. So I want to talk a little bit about, um, go ahead.
1: You know, I, and stores around here they have like goat. Um, they sell duck. I haven't. I haven't, I haven't tried. Goat I've had duck. goat. Okay. I've had goat.
0: I've had goat at an Indian restaurant. Okay, it's okay. It's fine. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, goat. Goat's good. It. Um, and I used to. I for a while when I first gave up dairy, I tried goat milk for a while because I I was told that goat milk more closely resembles human milk than it does, than it does cow milk and it's, it's more, more agreeable in the body, but it's a little gamey. I'm Mm. not going to lie. It's, um, yeah. Uh, so, and that's, I think the knock on it, why people say they don't like it, but it, um, it's, 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 it's big in Indian cuisine. Mm-hmm. and they they eat a lot of goat. So whenever you go to an Indian buffet, there there's usually goat there and I and I try it and it's fine. It's it's bad. I mean ha, have, bad.
1: have you tried breast milk like human? Human breast milk?
0: No. no. Although I I have had um I have had cow colostrum though. Okay. Right after a a cow a cow has birthed the calf. Uh-huh and they give off that colostrum. I was actually working in a dairy farm and, and this was in the late 90s, early 2000s when I was pretty big. I got up to 270 and I was eating everything under the sun. I got kind of fat, but I, <laughs> I got up to like 245 muscle-wise and I decided to go for it and get as big as I possibly could. So I was eating bacon in the morning. I was And at the time colostrum was a big, the all the rage because right. it said everybody was talking about how to had all these growth factors and it would help you grow. So the, you know, the thing was to try to find colostrum and then have it post-workout.
1: You know, what's really funny. Angela was like laughing at me in the background. So I'm sure she's like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Um, cause I would test Dax's <laughs> breast milk before I would give it to him and I would just take a hit of it. Like, so it wasn't a big deal to me. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I I think, I think when Will was born three years ago, I might've tried a little taste here and there. Right. Um, as, as you know, um, you know, a lot, most mothers will pump and get lots of bottles. At the time, um, Will's mother was working graveyard shifts. So she would pump a lot of extra milk for me to feed to my son at night when he woke up because she'd be working from seven till seven. Correct. at a hospital and I'd have all these, uh, bottles. Yeah. And you have to, you have to heat them so, up and you don't
1: want to burn their mouth. So to me, that was just the easiest way right, to, to see right. the temperatures. Right. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so in that question and answer, I was going to go into the Mr. Olympia this year and talk about a little bit about promotion wise. So a good buddy of mine, um, Tamer Al Gundy, who actually did my, prep and helped me prep for, uh, my Vancouver natural heavyweight pro win in 2012, um, which was my first heavyweight title. Uh, and he was, uh, he works with John Lindsay and they produce something called the muscle contest shows in Southern California. And they pretty much do a show, if not every Weekend, every other weekend, or every month, or every three weeks, they do a crap load of shows in and around uh, Southern California. They pretty much have the market down there. And him and Dan Solomon, um, who's the head guy, vice president um, of this AMI. So they're the production company that's going to be handling the Mr. Olympia Expo in 2019. So Tamer, uh, looks to be who works with John Lindsay. It looks to be the second in command of producing the Olympia expo this year. So congratulations to him on that. Um, for those of you that, uh, know your bodybuilding history, uh, Tamer is known as the razor and, um, he grew up, he's a Brazilian guy that grew up, uh, or moved to Seattle, Washington and worked with a business partner of mine named Chris Finch out of Seattle Gold's Gym and was in international franchising for a while and started working with um, uh, John Lindsay uh, and didn't kind of pursue a pro bodybuilding career and instead decided to kind of get into business and on the business side of things of contests. And he's also been a top judge. I think he's judged at nationals, um, the Arnold Classic. I think he's judged at the Olympia before. Um and now you know is real stepping up his game into the Super Bowl of bodybuilding and actually promoting it. So uh kudos to him for that. Um so question eight, question answer, round two, guys. Uh we're just gonna start going off some of our listeners' questions and we're gonna answer these questions. Um the first one uh, that I have for you and I, um, and I'll let you start, is uh, what made you decide to start a podcast? This listener said that they love it and was just curious and listens to us uh, on his way to work every morning. So what was your inspiration uh, above and beyond me just kind of bringing it up and why you kind of jumped into this, Chris? Of course.
1: yeah. To me, it's just to simply pass on what I've learned through the years of failure. Um, you know, if I could save you guys the heartache and mistakes that I made, because at the end of the day, like in my opinion, that's one of the things that allowed me to get where I am. And that's all the ways that I screwed up, failed, did things poor. Um, I think, secondly, it's just to simply spread the word that hard, consistent work will always prevail. It may not r- work in the short term, but it will definitely work in the long term. Um, and then lastly, just to help build mental toughness, um, you know, that kind of ties into the last thing I said, like, you know, sometimes the hard thing isn't always the thing that the, is going to be easiest for you to do, but that path right. of least resistance is not the path I want to travel. I want to go the path of most resistance because that's where we learn the most about ourselves, what we're made of. And then, you know, lastly, I mean, I just love talking shop of bodybuilding. <laughs> so, you know, right. nutrition, training, uh, supplements, all that stuff. It's just enjoyable to me. So if I had to, you know, say those four things, it's just, you know, passing on what I've learned, uh, trying to spread hard work, mental toughness, consistency. And then just lastly, I love this shit, man. Yeah. How about you? Yeah.
0: So, so I did it for a couple different reasons. Uh, first off, I did it. Because, in all honesty, um, it it was kind of touted as the way uh, to get your word out, to get um, to promote yourself, not only as a brand but um, to to get people to listen to uh, something above and beyond you know, either YouTube or your social media pages or your gym website or, you know, personal website, what have you. Um, so I, and, and also when I, when I talk about stuff, I I get so many questions at the gym. I get so many people asking me the same questions over and over and over again. I thought this would be a good medium to address a lot of those and then have it recorded and searchable by people. Um, you know, when I look at some of the top, you know, influencers, whether it be motivators or business guys, you know, you take Tony Robbins, you take Gary V, you take uh, Dave Palumbo in the industry um, and just different, you know, different people at the, at the top of whatever your industry is. Podcasts are hot and, and, it, and, it, and it's a way to get your word out there and to spread yourself. Um, so, and, and then I love what we're talking about. I love talking about supplements. I love talking about training, nutrition, bodybuilding, and I want to reach a lot of people. So I want to reach as many people as I can with this about our passions and what we're passionate about and talking about it in a cohesive manner was, I guess, my uh, motivations behind it.
1: Cool.
0: So, uh, any good books you have read or are currently reading? And I'll start off with this. Um, I'm reading. I'm reading two books right now, and I think I've uh, alluded to this one book before. Um, it's called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. So, D U H I G G. It's a New York Times bestseller uh, on the bestseller list and the power of habit talks about how everything that we do in our daily being irrespective of athletics, irrespective of fitness and workouts and everything, we are creatures of habit. So everything that we do from going to work to getting up to eating breakfast or not eating breakfast, to showering, to not showering, to, um, cues and rewards, and what we give ourselves—snacks, um, foods, um, everything—you know—we do is 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 kind of predetermined by us as creatures of habit, including working out, including eating badly or eating well. And you know, Vince Lombardi talked about winning as a habit. Um, unfortunately, so is losing. So. I think if you create the habit and you get used to a certain way of living um, it, that that becomes your life and you manifest kind of what that is. Uh, the other book is on Mental Toughness by the Harvard Business Review Press. And that is a book of motivations, a book of business leaders um, who you know use mental toughness to create success and personally or professionally. And I use that kind of like daily motivators and, and how different people do it. Um, so those are my couple of books offhand. How about yourself?
1: Of course, <clears throat> anybody that wants to get better, I always suggest this to, uh, it's two books by Steven Pressfield. Uh, the first one is called the war of art. And the second, the sequel to that is actually called turning pro. And if any of you guys, Want to succeed in life? I recommend both of those books. They're both very easy reads. They're under 200 pages. It's a lot of white space, but the amount of intelligence that is written in there about how to overcome mental weakness is huge. And I love both of those. Shelby Starns had me read both of those in the con- last contest prep I did mm. with him. Um, and they're huge. Okay. They're they're incredible. Um, the one I'm reading right now is actually the I sent you a page out of it yesterday. Uh, it's actually called relentless it's going from good to great to unstoppable by tim grover um that's the trainer who worked with michael jordan cubby bryant dwayne wade um and it's all about mental and physical toughness and um i actually have pulled up on my computer here one the the actual screenshot that i sent you um and i'm gonna read it to you guys just because i think it's super powerful and he says ask yourself honestly what would you have to sacrifice to have everything that you really want would you sacrifice your social life relationships credit cards free time sleep now answer this question what are you willing to sacrifice if those two lists don't match up you don't want it bad enough and you know i sent that to you for many reasons um you know that was a powerful passage to me um so that it's a cool book that's uh, it's called again it's called uh relentless um and then the next book i have on deck for me is uh, it's a book by David Goggins called can't hurt me and it's kind of his life story um, and talks about his relationship with pain and suffering and how to overcome it. And those are the books I'd recommend without a doubt. And just kind of an idea of what I've reading and what I'm going to read.
0: Yeah, there's, there's one last one I want to mention real quick. Um, It's an autobiography of Vince Lombardi and it's called when pride still mattered. Um, so if you get a chance or you're into f- football or into sports and athletics and want to read about a um, truly inspiring story of a little Italian, you know, stump of a short Italian dude from Brooklyn who, who made it all the way to the pinnacle and is arguably the best football coach that ever lived, um, <clears throat> read that book if, if you're interested in that sort of thing. You know, something Uh, I I can't
1: stress enough, Greg, is is success leaves breadcrumbs, right? Success leaves clues, and that's why I pick up stuff like that. I'm sure the same reason you do. You know, you look at the people who have succeeded before you, and you kind of like make some mental notes of why they succeeded, how they stayed on top for as long as they did, and if you can apply just a few of their principles or things they lived their life by, um, I feel like we can get better as individuals. So just just some food for thought for you guys because clearly the books that you and I are into are a very similar topic.
0: (laughs) Right. So next question, uh, that somebody had was what would you say the chief difference is when you train an athlete versus a bodybuilder? You want to start with this?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so to me, that's, that's the chief difference is you have to become a slave to performance for the athlete. Um, The in-training program you do in the gym, the nutrition program you put the athlete on, if it negatively impacts their performance in their given sport, the, the program is awful for them. Where a bodybuilder, I don't really care about necessarily, even though I don't want them to see, like, say, for example, get super weak in the gym, at the end of the day, it's an aesthetic look. So as long as you look great, their performance in the gym doesn't really matter. So with an athlete, that's what I stress to them the most Um, is you have to be a slave to performance. So if I'm saying, if I'm working with a wide receiver and he's getting slower because I'm putting so much lean muscle tissue on him, that's not an effective training program. I need to back off on the hypertrophy-style training and pick up one more explosive-style training. Um, I also personally believe in training an athlete for their given sport. So if, let's use an example of of a wrestler they're going to have to be their grip strength is going to have to get trained they're going to have to do a shitload of pulling and rowing um pull-ups they're going to have to learn to train in a hit interval style training program meaning two minutes on one minute off um So to me, like that's the chief difference where with a bodybuilder, it's just straight, how much muscle can I gain in the off season? And then when it comes time for pre-contest, how much lean muscle tissue can I maintain while getting my body fat lowest humanly possible? Because at the end of the day, a football player, it doesn't matter what their body fat percentage is. If they're super fast and can tackle and hit and run and catch the ball, that's all that matters. So to me, that's the chief difference.
0: So, I got to tell you something that I've learned throughout my athletic career um, as an athlete growing up and then getting into bodybuilding. And so training for aesthetics versus training uh, for performance. Um, I understand the value of not giving two shits about what your body looks like to become a great (laughs) athlete. Right. You can look like a goddamn Volkswagen on the outside, but if your engine performs like a Ferrari, that's what you want as an athlete. You're all about performance yep. and all about what you can put onto the field, the court, um, wh- whatever sport you're into the mats. Um, uh, I've trained myself for the world championships in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, the Pan Am games, um, played three sports in college. I ran track. I actually played tennis my first couple of years and then football all throughout my collegiate career. And the worst things that the worst thing that I did for my training, um, was bodybuilding. (laughs) The best things that I did for my football, uh, were sprint training, uh, Olympic lifting and Taekwondo. And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why. When I trained uh, as a bodybuilder, um, as I got into bodybuilding in, in you know, um, way back when, but but in, in community college, uh, I got into, you know, kind of a bodybuilding style of working out. You know, Dorian was Mr. Olympia and I kind of followed the heavy duty thing. Um, I was doing power cleans and doing things like that, but I was also doing back and biceps and (laughs) chest and triceps and, you know, doing the typical, typical bro split. And, um, after doing, going home one summer and I got into Taekwondo one summer, I was bouncing, um, and I took a year off and I got into Olympic lifting. So in between my community college and my four year, I actually took a year off Um, and got into Olympic lifting and it was the best thing for my football. I, I, I went from like a 30 inch vertical to 37 inch vertical. My bench press did not go down at all. If anything, my bench press went up and I did zero benching, zero pushing. Um, I was just Olympic lifting and I was so freaking strong and explosive and able to just you know, I and I continued, and and Chris will attest to this. I continued Olympic lifting even when I started on with Team Mountain Dog in 2016, just because I I I saw the value in it, and it did. It conflicted with my now bodybuilding, um, so I ended up giving it up um, for the time being because it conflicts. But as from a performance um, perspective, you want to train an athlete and mimic what they're doing on the mats, on the court, on the field and wh- whether they have to jump through the roof and have the energy systems to keep running for 60 minutes with you know in football it's it's 6 to 10 seconds and 30 seconds break yep. 6 to 10 seconds of busting your ass, 30 second break. And so that's the way you train a football player is to bust ass and recover and to bust ass and recover and to be strong and to be explosive and be able to run down motherfuckers when you when you have to um, or to drive through people and to recover quick and then drive through people again if you're an offensive lineman or defensive lineman. So everything is specific. Um, and, and I think the, the big difference is you have to it's it's sports specificity. So you have to train specifically for that sport and technique and skill wise. There's nothing like practicing in that sport. And you know, something so, else cool
1: that we can add here to me. I don't know if you agree with me or not, but with bodybuilders, I, I may use. I'm going to use a mixture of machines, cables, and then free weights. With athletes, yeah. I'm ninety to ninety-five percent all free weights, meaning barbells, dumbbells, and maybe bands and chains. Um, I'm not. I don't right, use hardly right. I don't use hardly any machine or isolation exercises with athletes because at the end of the day, right. in a f- if you're playing football, you're not going to just isolate your biceps to do a singular movement. If you're going to throw a ball, no. it's your whole body. If you're going to tackle someone, it's your whole body. You don't just use isolation muscles in isolation. You have to have the whole body operate as a machine or a unit. So to me, when we train, I want to do lifts and movements. Why? That's why Olympic lifting works so well, right? Hang cleans, power cleans, snatches, push jerks, all that stuff works your whole body in a singular unit and you have to fire muscles right. simultaneously. So to me, if I'm from a, speaking from a specific training aspect, that's going to be another really cool takeaway is the lack of machines for an athlete versus a bodybuilder.
0: So, okay. Next question. I've heard you talk about reverse dieting. How is that different than an off-season
1: diet? Okay, um, so he, here's how I do things, and this is kind of, it's been years for me to finally get this to where I feel like I'm really good at it. Um, no matter what you finish your uh, contest prep on, meaning however many your calorie, how much your calories are eating at the very end, how much cardio you're doing at the very end, to me it's two very separate things. An all season doesn't start the moment, in my opinion, you step off stage, um, because one tip of your bodies are running to the ground. Um, your joints aren't perfectly healed, even though you may feel great because you are starting to introduce more calories into it, you're not going to be in an optimal position, in my opinion, to begin an, an effective all season. So, what I call the time immediately after a uh, contest is a reverse diet. So, I have a bunch of goals. Yeah. Number one is to get healthy. And we can argue until <laughs> I'm blue in the face about what you do leading into a show. For 90% of the competitors in the MPC and IFBB, we need time to clean out our systems because we've been on a lot of harsh orals. We've used things like Trin and Masteron and things that are going to be not the greatest for our bodies. So in that reverse diet, I don't want to rely on chemicals like I relied on the last, say, four weeks to get me in a perfect showing condition. I want to rely on food to be my chief anabolic agent. So I do that by introducing Carbs and fats into your nutrition plan. Now, if you're being intelligent about it, you have to cycle off a of Clen T3, for example. You can drop all the harsh orals such as like Winnie and uh, Halo and Proviron and all that kind of stuff, one that you may use if you want. You can typically drop a lot of your antiestrogens, at least cut them in half. You can pull back on the testosterone dose. You can cut your GH in half, um, and you want to stop the injectables as far as like Masteron and Tren. In my opinion. After a show, I want to let the food do all the work. I want to let the reduced cardio do the work because I want to reverse out of that hyper deficit and start building in you into a surplus. Um, So to me, if I can walk you guys through that week one after the show is to get all that water fluff shit that you got on the, you know, after you enjoyed probably a Sunday, Monday of eating. After you get back to your baseline weigh in weight, I want to begin introducing calories and reducing your cardio. So for some people, we can get up to a surplus in six weeks. Some people, that takes 12 weeks. Some people, that takes three weeks. It just depends person to person. You want to monitor that by A, how they're performing, how they feel, and then what they look like visually. For the most part, I can guarantee you if you do this right, I can get you eating a shitload of carbs, being very, very lean, and not holding water within eight to 12 weeks. And I'm, when I'm talking about, I want to give hard examples here, like, if you finish your diet on 50 to 100 grams of carbs on a low day for you, I can get you eating 400 to 600 grams of carbs within eight weeks and be pretty freaking lean. And then from that point, we can start an off-season meal plan where you, at the most you're doing two or three cardio sessions a, a week. You are eating great. You feel great. You have no joint pain. And for the most part, you're only taking like TRT doses of tests and maybe two or four IUs of growth in a, in a week, in a day. Um, but that's over the course of, again, eight to 16 weeks for most people to do a true reverse diet before we start into an all season meal plan where our goal is to really start to bring up our weaknesses. So that that's what it looks like for right. me. I don't, do you do something similar to with your clients or how does that work?
0: Well, I, you know, for women, I think it's a little different than guys, guys, you know, I, I think, it's the time. I agree that it's the time to clean out the system. One of the mistakes that I've made in the past, and I think not listening to you or anybody else is I was so fucking motivated right after losing and only making third rounds of call outs, um, at masters nationals in 2017, I immediately started working out the next fucking day. Um, my shoulder was beat up. My back was beat up. My joints were beat up. I'd been severely depleted because as you know, I was, still trying to make classic, I did classic physique and over dieted myself over lost too much muscle and I needed time off. I needed to um, scale back my training um, and actually probably even take a couple weeks off. But I mentally, that's such a hard fucking thing to do and wrap your head around when you just get off of a show that motivates you and all you want to do is train and get better. Um, you, you, you have to take the first thing you have to do is you got to take some time off. If anything, you should take a week's vacation at that time, or just take a week out of the gym, not do anything. Um, I, I think you should watch your diet, um, after a couple days of spazzing out and having, you know, and then, so say you spaz out on Saturday night, Sunday, maybe travel home Monday, Tuesday, you should start cleaning up the diet, like, like Chris said. Um, but I almost think that you should, you know, for guys, if they want to do a PCT, they do, it'd be a good time to come off. Obviously maybe even everything except for HCG and Clomid and Novel Novodex and, and do that. Um, do a deloading week or two, get the training, get your joints, calm down, clean up your diet. And, um, for women, I think women, it's a different, beast altogether because with them, you know, a lot of them have been over dieted, um, that I can see. And even, you know, some women, you, you don't even know exactly what they're eating. Um, <laughs> when you give them a diet, they could be kind of following it. They could be kind of doing their own thing. As I found at least my experience, I don't have as many com- high level competitors as you do, Chris, or, you know, the team mountain dog does. So I'm dealing with a different kind of subset um, of people. So they can tend to be uh, and go into an emotional thing uh, and, you know, just eat and kind of rebound for, you know, is is the way to describe it. So I, I, you know, get some semblance of a good diet going. And I think for women, if they have been taking anything like a fat burner or an oral, I, I think they need to get off everything altogether and clean out you know clean up the metabolism clean up them, um themselves and even if they're on a low androgenic low side effect um steroid it is more foreign in their body than it is a guy's body so even a low androgen is going to have may maybe some androgenetic and androgenic properties to it so i think for them coming off altogether uh is a good thing to do um and 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 then controlling the diet um and and then getting into the off season and and growing behind that would be my um little differences all right
1: let me let me uh play devil's advocate here um so let's use that female as you gave right you gave them through monday of being off their meal plan you told them to take two weeks off the gym and you pulled them off their fat burners and all of their stuff that are going to make them burn fat more efficiently don't you think if, by doing that, that would extro- You talk about destroying someone's metabolism; that that would push them to gain even more fat and water more rapidly than if they stayed in the gym, tapered off everything. The caveat,
0: the caveat with that is if their joints were beat up. So, okay. the example that I gave you of needing to take a week or two off was my example, and oh, okay. maybe somebody older that has worked so hard during that prep that their joints are really fucking beat up, and they need that time off. Um, so my example, it came with a little bit of a caveat. It, it's more of, that was more of the guy's example. Although I, I don't think it's bad for, you know, a female to schedule, you know, a week out of the gym. Um, and that's just my opinion to get right. their mind re- because a lot of them are really mentally exhausted because of the dieting and because of the stress, maybe a lot of, a lot of Let's face it, a lot of women have families and kids to, to, to continue to raise, and guys don't always have that. You always hear about these women competing and have three fucking kids and you know two teenagers and you know this, and then they lost 100 pounds. and you don't hear that from guys. You don't, you don't hear that often when they have like all of this family consideration. So I, I think with yeah, depending if I think even more from the mental, Break of things and it's again when, when we talk about these prescriptions for people and what we do with them it's it's individually based so we take everybody on an individual basis some are older, some are younger, some may need time off, some may not some may need to you know continue to work out because they have to continue to work out uh, mental mentally wise but if it's detrimental and your joints are beat up and you're um you're doing yourself more harm than good, then yeah, I would stick with, with well, kind of...
1: The only reason minor. I brought that up even is because I see those posts on yeah. Facebook and Instagram, right? And on paper, that sounds great, right? Take your time off, get, let your mind settle, let your joints heal. And yes, on paper, that sounds wonderful. But if you talk, you want to talk about taking someone that say, let's say they competed as a female at say 125, they might be 150 after two weeks off of the gym. And then and they'll think, oh, I'm not eating that bad. But if you finish a diet with a female <laughs> and they're eating 80 grams of carbs on a workout day and they go from eating 80 to 250, even if it's from clean sources like rice, oatmeal, and potatoes, they're going to be heavy as hell. And then they're going to hate the way they look in the mirror. And what that happens is that puts them in yeah. a cycle of, okay, fuck, I need to go back to my pre-contest plan, which is low carb, high cardio, and then it's a yo-yo. And that's why I always right. like to have people do an intelligent reverse diet. At the end of that reverse diet, and that may be only four weeks for some people, then take a full week off, get your massage, go take a vacation to the Caribbean, spend time with your family. Then you can, when you get back, you can say, okay, cool, we have one week to kind of get rid of all those excess calories that you consumed and get you back to training right, all the soreness out of your muscle, and then we can start attacking an off-season. Like, again, there's, what works for different people works for different people. That's just what i found in the masses, like... I hate to perpetuate a stereotype and say, oh, well, you know, to me it goes back to an episode you and I talked about where science versus bro science. Science is going to say take a week off. I can tell you from working with hundreds if not thousands of competitors, they're motivated as hell to get back in that gym on Monday. Even if they don't feel well, if their joints hurt, then that's where we take time and we do volume work. We do machine stuff. We do things that are joint friendly with the weights. We don't have to go in there and break, break records and bench press 500 pounds. Like go in there, get a pump, sweat your ass off, get on the Stairmaster, get some more sweat, sit in the sauna for 10 minutes, and then go home and eat your diet food. Like to me, that's what's effective. Uh, But again, to each their own.
0: Right. Okay. So next question, how do you know when the right time to pull food, increase cardio, give a cheat meal, or make them push? This is so hard for me to figure out. Does this also, would this also be like refeeds? Would, I that, think, I, would this be yeah
1: i think so okay um so
0: you go ahead because you have way more experience with this than i do
1: <laughs> so to me you know, you know what's really funny you and i had this conversation earlier in the week um you yeah. said hey man i'd love to get on some kind of carb cycle or i think you know i think you asked me you said are you are we going to do a carb cycle like I, I gave you what one of my guys was doing and i said i have right. no, cl- i have no clue what we're going to do And, you know, I think when I, when people ask me that and I say that as a response, like, oh my God, he doesn't have a plan for me. And to me, like this bodybuilding prep stuff is an art. It's not a science. You have to, I go by my gut. What your pictures tell me, what your body tells me is what we go with. Um, Right. You know, I don't have a set plan for anyone. I wake up, i look at their update and then I formulate a game plan based upon what they tell me and what their body and pictures tell me. And I'll give you an example of that guy, Roderick, that uh, I'm working with. I, I just sent you his photos. He's six days out from hopefully getting his pro card, and you know, in a previous show, he would said, "Oh, well, here, let me send you all my stuff that I did." The, for this and show. this is the
0: and and for those of you out there, this is the horse cannibal. Yes, this, this is, the is the guy horse that eats guy. the horse meat. <laughs> yeah, we just right, talked this about this is him. the horse guy. Yeah, um,
1: <laughs> he said, "Let me let me show you what I did the previous prep," and I said, "I don't want to know because it's going to influence my decisions that I make." And we looked at what he wanted right. to send me what we did last year with his water. And, and I said, I don't want to know, man, because that's going to influence what I tell you. I want to go solely based upon what you look like in this day, time and moment, not based upon what worked in your past, because his body was different than that was a year and a half ago. Like, I don't want to yeah. let what worked previously with him affect my current state of mind. And to me... That's where so many coaches go wrong. because I say, all right, here's the blueprint. This is what we're doing. It worked for me last year, or it worked for so-and-so competitor. It's going to work with everyone. No, you have to go by what you see. And to me, that comes from experience. Um, how do I know when to give a cheat meal or refeed? That, A, depends upon your digestion. When, when I use a cheat meal, I, it's not an all-out, blowout last supper dinner. It's very specific. I like certain things. I like burger and fries. I like Chick-fil-A. I like sushi if I'm going to do a free meal. If I'm gonna do a refeed, it's a lot of rice, it's a lot of uh, things that you've been eating in your current diet, just simply more. And to me, I go by all yeah. photos of how you how your muscles look. And I, what I always do is I look at your smallest or weakest body parts. So for me, I watch my lats. Um, if it's the guy taller than I'm working with, for example, I watch his legs and arms chronically. If those things start to look skinny, it's time to fucking feed him. And I know that solely based on his photos. If his performance start to suffer, that's when I need to look to feed him again. Now it's a fine line between when to refeed and when to push because if you aren't lean enough, it's not time to cheat. It's not time to do a refeed. Um, so there's yeah. so many things that come into play with that. Um, you know, when do we add cardio? When do we pull food? Like the longer we do this, the the better I've gotten at it. And like I said at the beginning, why we started this podcast. I learned this stuff through the mistakes that I've made with myself and other competitors, if I'm being honest and anyone who's good at this will say the exact same thing to you.
0: And I think as a competitor, what we do is we think about how we came into shape. We think about wh- how we looked so many weeks out. Yep. Wh- and then, and then you play the hindsight thing where you go, if I would have done this, if we would have done that, or if I do this in this next time, the problem is every show is different, every prep yep. is different, your body's different. So I do agree with Coach Chris here wholeheartedly when he says you take what's in front of you yep. and you deal with it uh, appropriately um, at that time, because that's the only that's that that's what you have to deal with at, at that time. So you can't go on past contests. You can't go on past leanness or how many carbs you ate, where your water was because everything is different.
1: You know, I'll give a, a hard example here. My The very first guy I ever helped win an overall, um, we hit his peak perfect, man. I mean, I, I, it couldn't have been a smoother prep. He was in the best shape of his life. We undressed backstage. He was a middleweight. People thought he was a heavyweight. Like he just looked incredible, right? And... Two years later, we went to win a bigger show, and we sat down about six weeks out, and I drove myself crazy because I was trying to get him back to the way he looked in that prep, the food he was eating in that prep, the little bit of cardio he was doing, and we could not figure out what was going on. And I drove myself bananas trying to say, why aren't we here? I'd look at his photos from that last show, and we'd question everything. We'd sit down, and I can't tell how the hours I spent looking at that notebook. And what I came to realize was, that was a whole other person. He is now a new person. Two years later, he has more muscle tissue. He's in a different spot of life. His stress or sleep may be different. His body may be different, and that took me a long time to come to terms with. Um, and the only way I learned that is through again making a mistake. Now, listen. What well, the funny thing is, he won the same that uh, he won that show we were competing at. We just had to get there in a different route. So even though he right. won again, it was a totally different course. And so many people get caught up in. Last year, I was eating 200 grams of carbs. And this year, I'm only eating 100. What's the difference? Well, I don't fucking know. Your body's just different.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: So don't drive yourself crazy. Just look at your photos. And if if you have a coach, trust them.
0: Yep. So what kind of cycle would you recommend for someone who never wants to compete? I just want to look jacked in the gym and lean when I go to the pool this summer. (laughs) What do you have your guys with that goal take? And then how about nutrition and cardio look like for me, uh, is the question.
1: Cool. Do you want to start there? I know that's something you and I just talked about and you said you want to talk about it. So let's do it.
0: Yeah. So I have a lot of my buddies that I grew up with, um, guys that are in their forties, early forties, mid forties. Um, and because I've gotten to such low body fat in years past and gotten down to three, 4% body fat, uh, for shows. And they look at me at my age doing so. They naturally bring the questions to me. What should I do? When should I do it? I'm trying to get ready for Memorial day. Here's what I read, what these guys are doing. Um, what, what can I take, you know, and, and how do I take it? Right. Um, um, the problem that I have with that is, and and I I I tell them an answer that they don't really want to hear, because a lot of these guys are on HRT, and so they're doing you know testosterone, maybe HCG, maybe a little bit of Smarlin or Remedex or you know stuff through uh, a doctor longevity clinic, and I say, well, first thing you need to do is look at your diet, and then they say, well, what about this, this, and this oral. And what about trend? And what about these different, you know, clambuterol and all these different things. And I say, well, how about we look at your diet? Yeah. And that isn't necessarily what they want to hear because they want this magic cycle. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and, I, and I, and I let them know, look, it's not a magic cycle that's going to get you in shape. It's, it's magically not putting all that fucking food in your mouth. um, first and foremost in creating a deficit. And I said, you know what, are you doing cardio hop (laughs) on a step mill or a spin bike or something 30 minutes a day, most days of the week. If you can do it fasted, do fasted. If you can't and don't have time for that, then I want a post workout cardio. And I want you to keep your carbs around your workout. And other times a day, I want you to eat really fucking lean. And let's, and let's start there. Then, then we can talk about compounds later. Give me, do that for four weeks and come, let me know how your leanness is coming along. Yep. <laughs>
1: you know, that's one of those things, man. Like I always question those people. Why, like, why are you going to risk your long-term health? Just to look good on the beach for a week, right. Or two weeks. Um, I just don't get it. Right. Um, or a, to
0: me, or a weekend. <laughs> yeah, I mean, long weekend.
1: Listen, if you're a competitive bodybuilder, that's a totally different story. You're, you're competing. That you know, it's no different than an NFL guy taking GH to recover from an injury. Like to me, there's got to be a bigger purpose if I'm going to potentially risk my health um, or long-term health at least. If, if you're if you're just a normal guy who just wants to look better at the beach or you know try to p- pick up chicks, I don't think you need all that mess. Um You know, maybe some low dose testosterone. Uh, you know, maybe some clean if you wanted to get fancy, but a lot of times an over the counter fat burner or even just like some, uh, ECA stack will work really, really well for you. Um, do yeah. regular cardio, eat super clean. A lot of times you'll get the results you want. Now, if you want that explosive, like super vascular bubbly round looking muscle, then you're going to have to go down the anabolic route. But at the same time, like if you can't nail nutrition and training and cardio, like you said, for at least four weeks. I'm not going to tell you any cycle because it's a waste of my time and yours because you're not going to get maximum results out of it. So, you know, I just, it goes back to why, what's your reason? Um, Typically, if that's your goal, and listen, I've had tons of guys that come to me and say, look, Chris, I just want to get more pussy at the pool. Okay, cool. I guarantee you if we get you a six pack in the next 10 weeks, you're going to achieve that goal. And guess what? They typically all do. And it's usually, it's usually drug free. We don't need anything fancy. You need an intro workout yeah. supplement. You need a fat burner, maybe some like Matt Porter's vaso burn to rubble in your abs when you do cardio. And nine times out of yeah. 10, you're going to look better than 95% of the people that come to your pool. <laughs>
0: yeah. And, 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 women are- and let's face it. And I don't know if like, I can't speak for all competitors and all coaches. And the way I'm taught by Coach Chris is we have to start with, when we start a 12 or a 16 week diet, We don't start with cutting compounds anyway. You know, that's at the, that's at the very end. You pull that out when you got stubborn fat, you can't quite get rid of, and you're, and you're down to like 6% and you want to get down to three. Right. So it's not from going from 10 to, to, from 20 to 15% body fat or from 15 to 10.
1: Hell no. (laughs) This,
0: this, this is at the very end. You're almost wasting it because you, you, you start with that. Then you, you get down to 10% and you're, you're doing all that crap. You can't get in single digits no. at that point Agreed. because you've thrown it, you've thrown everything on the table. So e and, and this is for us when we're doing shows. So why would it be different for somebody that's not doing a show and just getting ready for, you know, whatever he or she is getting ready for uh, in the summer for the beach. So I, I think, I think that's our consensus yeah. on that. Um, not, not, guys. If, l- listen,
1: like, mo- most people are going to be happy with 8% body fat. And I think you can get there pretty easily naturally. Yeah. Um, if you put in the a- time and work. And you'll be one of the leanest people at the pool or on the beach if you're at 8%. I prom- like a legit eight. Like, you'll have veins in your lower abs, like, at eight. Like, it kind of blows my mind, like, that everyone just assumes you just shoot a substance in or you take a pill, and next thing you know, you'll be fucking shredded. It's not how it works.
0: Right. No. Cool. guys if we didn't get to your question um and answer it we will on a future episode thanks a lot for listening to another episode of physical culture radio for chris edmonds i'm greg jones uh and thanks for listening guys Thanks man.